This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Brilliant. Okay. Hi, everyone. Uh, joined today by uh, Mr. Taekwondo himself, uh, Mr. Stuart Hanslow. And uh, that title came into my head this morning and I was just thinking about how much stuff you're actually involved in with Taekwondo. So welcome to the Marshall Focus podcast and uh, thanks so much for, for agreeing to come on. No worries. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Uh, I want to jump right in with you today. I've actually got a copy of... Uh, from creation to unification here. Uh, I know this has been out for a number of years now, but I want to start here with you today, if that's okay, because it's very quickly became the go-to book, I, I feel, uh, and anybody that I talk to who, who shares our passion for Taekwondo, it's the go-to book. So uh, let's talk a wee bit about it, and if you can tell us how the, the idea for, for the book came about in the first place. Yeah, sure. Um, well, if you've got any of my other books, weirdly enough, it starts, like a lot of my projects, they one thing starts and then it leapfrogs to something else. And so in my first book, the one on the application of patterns, Chang Hong Taekwondo Heisou, I started doing, even though the, the book was focused on applications, I'd done little intro sections to each of the patterns. So I'd done some research and, um, you know, it was, it was, there was two, three pages long. And then I done some other books, and then when I done Hey Soul Volume Two, I I done the same thing. I wanted to keep it the same format, so I started doing these intros. And because I knew how to research much better and had more resources, one of the intros, uh, the Chung Mu one, it was twenty pages long. Yeah, it was like, hold on, I can't do this. This is meant to be an intro. So what I did, I thought, I'll go back. I can't put that all in there because you know the whole chapter is meant to be twenty pages, not just the intro. And it would just make the book too long. And some of the other ones were quite long as well. So what I did, I slimmed them down. And I thought, well, I'll just do a book that, you know, for people who aren't into applications, but everybody has to know the pattern definitions. Yeah, yeah. And so I went back, re-researched or done more research on the ones I had in volume one, which went up to Toigi. And then obviously the, the second applications book went up to the second degree patterns. And, uh, you know, I just put as much info as I could find, as I could gather, and I just made that book like that. And then so all the true move stuff is now in that book and it's a slimmed down version yep. in the other book because, you know, people are buying it for different reasons. I mean, so, and that's how that, that come about. I, I had, uh, had Grandmaster Doug Cook, who's a good friend of yours on a couple of episodes ago. And uh, that actually inspired a couple of my own students, a couple of people who listened to the podcast. And I don't know how much of this filters through to you, but they came on and said, right, we're inspired to get a book now. Hey, we want to start getting more into the, the, the studying of the art that we're doing. And uh, this is the, the book that I directed people to. And as I say, all the organizations or anybody who I know, TAGB, AMA for myself, uh, GTF, it just seems to be the go-to for people that want to learn more about the history of our art. Uh, 
you know what you've said? Uh, uh, you actually, I think it was in the back of the book, which I was scanning through again, or, or somewhere in the book this morning. And all of the different associations have tiny wee snippets of the meanings in all of our, our handbooks. It's yeah. any of the patterns. But uh, for anybody with any interest in Taekwondo, this really goes in depth for all of the patterns, not just the ITF patterns, you've included GTF patterns uh, in here as well. So what actually went into making this book? How long did you spend on this? Uh, what did your research involve? Yeah. Uh, well, you got to remember, I didn't sit down and think, oh, I'm going to start researching for a patterns book. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, of the definitions. My research actually started from my first book. So I had those notes. Uh, um, then I had even more notes for the second applications book, like I said. Yeah. Then I went back and researched some stuff. You know, you look for sources and in other books and, you know, you try to, you read a lot of the stuff online, but a lot of it, some of it makes sense. Once, But when you see things coming up, you know, on multiple sites, then you think, oh, okay, I'm going to check into that and try and find a, a verified source, you know, so it's lots of different things. I've been to the library to read books on Korea and stuff like that, right. you know, and spoke to people in Korea. All the, all, it just takes you everywhere, you know. Right. But it's, it's just it's just it's like sit down and try and find as much information as you can about the subject matter by any means possible, really. Yeah. I think and then, then make sure it's valid as possible, you know, and then put it in a book. That, that's one of the things that, uh, and again, perhaps we'll get to talk about this later on, but... It's, it's the the creation to unification book is one of the areas I feel just from what I've seen online and from people that I've spoke to that has uh, this brought people together most <laughs> because that a lot of the time it's well we do it this way and we think it's this way. Uh, who who were your main? Did you have people? And I know there's people that have written at the beginning of the book and and done uh, sort of forewords and stuff. Uh, but was there anybody in particular or, or a group of people who you really wanted to double, double check everything with or who you, you, you sought out to get some advice from? No, no not really, because no one's written something as, as in-depth as that before. So there's not... And if someone had already done it, I wouldn't have done it, you know? Yeah. I know that there's an old book by, I think his name's... Uh, oh, what's his name? Someone Mitchell, Paul Mitchell... Okay. And he he done a color belt book years and years and years and years ago, which I think a lot of people use for their web page and stuff. So yeah, you know it, it only goes up to like Parang or something. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. Okay. Um, but apart from that, you know, there, there isn't anything. Yeah. And then yeah. when I was doing it, because I already done I was I done when I done the encyclopedias of Taekwondo patterns books. You know, I know the GTF guys. I know uh, Grandmaster Park had devised some patterns, so I wanted to make it all inclusive as possible, even though your GTF guy didn't like it in Canada, but that's <laughs> yeah. an old story. Majority did. So, I, you know, I added them in, so I thought, well, if I've done it in this book, I'll, I'll put them in that book. So yeah. that's how they got in there. You know, I just thought it's like a continuation of the other books as much as possible. Yeah. Um, but there's no, I mean, there's, there's some facts I check. I mean, Anything to do with ITF um, history, mm -hmm. um, you know, Grandmaster Vitali is the, the guy, the go-to guy, as everybody knows. Yeah, yeah. You know, and certain bits, you know, I mean, that book I think come out before Alex Gillis's book, 
So, you know, didn't know he existed then. I've met him since, actually. I met him in 2016. Great. Um, a nice coffee. Um, but I love his book. So his, his book's a great book. Yeah. But, you know, you just, there, there's no one place you could go to. You know, when I, when I went to Korea, what I did do, because I have got more facts that I could add in now, because, yeah. you know, you go to um, like the Jungun Museum in, in Korea and buy all the, get all the pamphlets and all, all the stuff. <laughs> so there's little extra bits, but it's, it's not enough to make it warrant a brand new volume that someone who's got it will go out and buy. So I keep adding things to the list and eventually might, one day I might revise it. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, there's no, no group of people. I'm sure there's people that disagree. Like some people don't like the um, history of the Frang warriors and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's up to them, you know. That's one thing that, that you're, 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 you're definitely, or I know you for, is being, uh, is being committed to, to, to your beliefs or, or, or being committed to the facts of how things have played out and, uh, and, and, and being firm and saying, no, this is, I know there's many different beliefs and interests, uh, personal interests in a lot of the, the Taekwondo groups, but you've kind of been able to work with everybody and, and still been able to uh, be true to yourself as well. And that's that's something that I think you should be definitely commended on. And I know a lot of people have that feeling to, towards you. Uh, have you found that difficult to be so committed to what you believe to be the true facts of things but then work with all these different people who you who you clearly work with um not really i mean as a instructor i've, I've been independent so i've been on my own since 1999 okay. back, back in the late 90s virtually everyone was part of an organization yep but i left the one i was with uh, the BETF, and uh you know, I decided oh, I don't want any more of that. So I just went solo anyway. So, you know, and my, my goal as a, as a Taekwondoin is to benefit my club and my, teach my students, make them as good as I can make them, and then do what I can for Taekwondo. Because Taek I've, I've said to someone before, I can't remember, I don't mind sharing things that I know and, and stuff like that. You know, it's like a lot of, lot of, uh, masters they, they share stuff that they, they know but via seminars and, and whatever you know mm -hmm. so i just do it in a different way yep. you know i mean i do seminars as well but you know it's, it, if it makes taekwondo better one of the things that i found when i first started looking at application stuff is that taekwondo no matter where you're from it only a lot of associations only teach a very small portion of the art yeah. you know and when it comes to terminology or theory they're happy with them little snippets from general choice manuals. Yeah. But they but when you take them small bits and you realize there's, you know, there's so much more to all areas of, you know, the sparring that you do in an association is, is 99, 100% maybe competition sparring. Yeah. But yep. that isn't even a true definition of sparring in general choice manuals. Yeah. You know, it, that's just the sports side. And it, and, same with the patterns, you know, you perform the pattern, you start at the beginning and you finish at the end and then you win a medal at competition maybe or you do it for a grading and then you don't think about it anymore. Yeah. You're in class when the instructor's had enough of you doing your grade pattern and says, oh, I'll do lower grade pattern, you know? Yeah. But there, there's so much more to... to I, I see martial arts in general as a lifelong encompassing journey. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that if everything that I thought should be in Taekwondo as a as 
part of it is trained as much as we train patterns and uh, line work and basics. You know, the, the art will go from, say, if this is Taekwondo, the association Taekwondo, it yeah. will be the real Taekwondo. I mean, the camera's probably not big enough. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's still bits that I'm exploring. It's like, I love doing the throws. There's throws in Taekwondo, but nobody back in the 90s, I didn't know anyone that did it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know more do it now. I think part of it is hereditary, you know. Once General Choi knuckled down on one of his patterns to form a certain way, certain way, people spent so much time trying to get that right that if the grading times were to be adhered to, there wasn't much time to do anything else. And then, so he passed it down to his chief instructors or pioneers, and they done the same to, say, my instructor's instructor, and then he done the same. Although, I don't think you just, the, the internet and the, the mind of people has changed somewhat. Back back then, I mean, when I started, you just did what you were told to do and whatever. You know, that, that's what you did. Yeah. I mean, early on, you don't even think this, that this, you think this is it, you know? And then later on, you know, my instructor was, was quite a nice guy. He gave me the keys to his dojo and we was able to go in an hour before class. And I, I remember, I mean, I first realized there was something more to the patterns after reading, I think, a two-page article by Master Willie Lim in Combat Magazine back in the 90s. And around the same time, we had uh, Jeff Thompson's book come out, mm-hmm. um, Real Self-Defense. And it was like, oh, defense, we've got to practice defense. Oh, that's like a knife hand. And then you got, I remember in the article, there's a, there was a photo of uh, Master Lim doing an arm lock with a knife hand. So hold on, I mean, now it can be an arm lock and it can be a fence. Yeah. And so we, we would go down every Tuesday, because um, classes run on Tuesday and Wednesday, on uh, Tuesday and Thursday, Friday originally, but hardly anyone turned up except a hardcore like me. It's <laughs> Jason the Thursday, and we go down. I mean, there's a really old video of us doing stuff. I didn't have a video camera, but someone brought one down, and uh, it's really like a grainy VHS video of us doing some of this stuff. Yeah, and there's some old photos and that. And uh, so once, once you, I think, what's that saying? Mine, the mind's like a parachute. Once it's opened and expanded, it's very hard to put it back how it was. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure someone who folds parachutes would disagree, but, you know. <laughs> and so, yeah. if there's something to these from the article, why is there must be something to these other moves? And then you look at, you know, back in the day, when I, I got into martial arts about six years before I even did Taekwondo. Okay, yeah. So I was doing other arts, bumming around, you know. So I see things in Taekwondo that, hold on, that's, that looks like something I did when I did judo at college. Yeah. And things like that. That's how I can, you know, see the throws sometimes from the blocks and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I showed like, a, I mean, I never got to black belt and judo or anything, but I, I spent a reasonable amount of time one on one with a judo instructor, which is another story altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, but I, done a, I done a training session for this youth club and one of the teenagers there, he was a uh, black belt in judo. Okay. And he come for the Taekwondo session because it was free and everything. And uh, so I showed him a low block. And he said, oh, no, no, that's a hip throw. And I said, I know, because I knew he was a judo guy. I just wanted to see if he'd recognize it. All right, okay, yep, yep. And then other, other, there, there's, uh, I think, Rick Clark, Master Rick Clark, he wrote a, a good article, the, thread that, the Threads That Bind Us. And what it's, what it's basically about is saying there's a lot of stuff across all the martial arts that might be performed slightly different or exactly the same, and one art will, will have it as this, and another art, another art will have it as that. And but really, it's the same thing. And if 
this guy's using this block as an arm lock, then if you're doing a similar thing, you can as well. Yeah. So uh, I see. I, I always say I'm a martial artist first and a taekwondo in second. Yeah, that that but makes I, sense. What, what you're saying there makes perfect sense for sure. Yeah. Uh, taekwondo is my base art because that's the one I invested in. You know, yeah. like I said, I have done other ones, but not obviously to the degree I've done taekwondo. I'm coming on 30 years in taekwondo yeah. next month. So, you know, I and then I, I knuckled down and invested in taekwondo, but my interest has always been in all martial arts. Mm-hmm. But then one one thing I realised is that I used to do. I don't know if you ever heard of IMAS, International oh. the Martial Arts Schools. Oh, yeah, now, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, yeah. We set that up in uh, two thousand and one. Myself, uh, Dave Melton from America, and Tim Posinick from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it was basically it started off as a, a a thing for travelling students. So if you went on holiday, so if I went on holiday to America, yeah. you could train at one of the IMAS clubs for free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no money changing hands, nothing. And um, I run that for many years with, with those two. And, uh, you know, we used to do all the website updates. We had hundreds of clubs all around the world. Yeah. And uh, through that, we started doing seminars. So we, we would do these IMA seminars. Um, one of them is eight hours long. <laughs> okay. And we had, and again, all we charged, we, I, I remember we used to charge students five pounds. Right. Yeah. And instructors would come along and we have we would have like nine instructors and they do half an hour each or something like that mm-hmm. and so and we had we had everything you know jiu-jitsu mma jay can do um wing chung you know yeah. and I, at first i used to love it because oh, i'm doing this i'm doing that and then i realized because i'm focused on taekwondo i want to pick up stuff that benefits my students uh-huh. you know because i know I used to go to seminars years ago. So if there was a seminar at my local list and uh, like a jujitsu seminar. Oh yeah, I'm there. I learn all these jujitsu throws or keto throws and this, that, and the other. Yeah. But because you're not practicing them all the time, you forget them. Yeah, yeah. You know? So now, now I, I look for stuff in other martial arts that directly complements our taekwondo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I still like other stuff. I still got a few bits in my toolbox from other arts that, whatever, you know, but. If I can get students practicing, say, like, like the low block thing as a hip throw, yeah, yeah, or body drop, body drop throw is probably the best one for it, then we can practice that in class. And I can say, well, you're practicing your low block and you're doing throws at the same time. And so you, you're going to keep doing it, yeah. you know, because when they do holes and soul later, suddenly you see them pulling off these pattern techniques, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. You know, rather than, that's another thing I've always, they talk about the cycle of Taekwondo. Have you seen that? No, explain. So you got basics, conditioning, and one of the things with taekwondo is, like I said earlier, all the elements are separate. So you have you have instructors, and this this is just going to upset some people. But you see people are we do taekwondo, and for (laughs) self defense, we we teach krav maga, and it's like, what? Why do you need to teach krav maga for self defense? Taekwondo is an art of self defense, and it's there. Everything that that you're getting from this krav maga, which might be great. Is in Taekwondo holds and soul. Yeah. We're also in the patterns. And this is how all the areas connect. And then some of the patterns techniques can be used in sparring if you're not just doing competition sparring. Yeah. You know, and that's how I think a martial arts should be. So one area of training is complementing another as uh, much as possible rather than having it as separate. Yeah. That's one of the areas that uh, you know better than most. You you comment on a Facebook thread and at 300 comments later. You're probably no further forward most of the yeah. time. 
And one of the ones that always sticks out to me was that exact point that you've just made about people teaching uh, Taekwondo classes, but having a self-defense class beside it. Now, cards on the table, I've uh, in the past taught female-specific self-defense classes, and that's another conversation to have. Uh, but what I certainly wouldn't do would be to teach Taekwondo, I don't think, and bring in Krav Maga, for example, for self-defense, because why are we learning Taekwondo then? Or, and I know, there's, I know there's, lots of, there's lots of different reasons, and I've spoken about it on the podcast as well, uh, just holistic reasons that many, many people train. But the techniques are there in, in our Taekwondo art, the, the, the grabs and the blocks and the elbows and the leg kicks, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's all already there. Uh, one of the, the arguments you get on that is, is that it takes too long to learn Taekwondo, so you should have this yeah. other... I'm talking about there's a difference. I, I used to run, I haven't done one for a few years now, I used to run self-protection courses for my local council. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But if I just, if I just, this is, this is like, like I remember one time I, I done a, a woman's course. They, they wanted, it was a woman's, cl- a woman's club. So it wasn't, men weren't excluded, just weren't there because it, it was a woman's night or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I went there and uh, you have to see, if I just took stuff from Taekwondo, I could teach them how to, to strike, how to do a palm, so I have to elbow, but then you need to teach them other bits and bobs as well. You know, mm-hmm. that's where the Jeff Thompson stuff for me, He's, I mean, I know he's a big influence on a lot of people that self, teach self-defense. Yeah. You know, you teach them about awareness. There's, no, there's nowhere in the, in the book of General Joy that talks about awareness, how to maintain your distance, about verbal de-escalation and things like that. Yeah. Or, you know, the traffic light system or something similar to it that a lot of people use, mm-hmm. you know. So designing a course for, for people who don't do Taekwondo is, to me, is a different thing. Yeah. But people who do Taekwondo and train regularly, you shouldn't need to necessarily bring in, you know, that's like saying, that's like saying, oh, we do, we do power and sparring, but for destruction, we're going to bring in the Kokushin Kai guys because they're great at destruction because they do it at their competitions. Yeah. So, so oh, but hold on, we do it as well, you know? Yeah. It, so I, I see them as two separate things. A, a good Taekwondo student, I think, if the, you know, the proverbial hits the fan and they need to defend themselves and they're at a reasonable level. They should do okay. I'm not saying they should be Bruce Lee, you know. But the problem is, if they're spending all their time getting their patterns correct and they do some competition sparring, you know, like competition sparring, which a lot of clubs do, yeah. you know, and even if they can fight, that is not self-defense. Yeah. Self-defense, if you're defending yourself, you should be, hopefully, be able to, once the situation gets physical, finish it in a, in a few seconds. Yeah. Being able to fight some guy and, you know, what they call a square go or whatever, yeah. you know, that's not self-defense. That's fighting or sparring yeah. is what comes after self-defense when you got it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even self-defense comes after self-protection when you got that wrong. Yeah. So, you know, if you need to be able to fight, but if you learn proper holes and soul and self-defense, hopefully it, you don't have to fight. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, right. Okay. Let's go back a wee bit. Uh, I want to talk about your earlier books, which you've, you've mentioned. Uh, I want to definitely talk about the magazine, which we definitely can't leave out. But if you can, and again, some people, uh, some people don't want to go through every single year of their of their martial arts history. But 
how does one who found this love for the martial arts and you've came through your sort of different downgrades and then moved into being an author and the editor of it must be the most successful Taekwondo magazine in the world now. It must be. Uh, how how did how did that progression happen? Taekwondo Times might argue that one. Well, <laughs> the, the, the Taekwondo Times I think is available every two months or so now, and I think the form yeah I think the format that you've got of being online and the the magazine dropping into people's uh, inbox it works. And, and again, that's just my opinion, and it's no disrespect to any other any other magazine, but. Yeah. So how how did you get from being just a student to spreading your sort of wings into these different these different areas? Okay, so obviously I come up in an organization like I said earlier. Um I set up my I set up my club originally it was going to be under them, but due to some history with uh, not history with me, but another instructor who caused a few problems, I decided the best thing to do is just go solo, which I did. Okay. Then I, obviously, going solo, the, you know, people like to downplay you, oh, he's, he's going to fade away in a couple of months or whatever. You know, they don't, and pe- the old old organisation thing, no offence to anybody who doesn't think like this, is if you leave them, you're going to burn into dust within yeah. a few months. They're the lifeline or whatever. And to a large degree, they, they were. Um, so I started thought, oh, I need to raise the profile of the club. And myself as a martial artist, so I'm sticking around. So the students were doing well at competitions and stuff like that in the early years. And I wrote a few articles for Combat Magazine uh, and Taekwondo and Korean Arts Magazine. Yep, you know, yep. um, we had we had I set up the IMS uh, network by then, so I was networking with instructors, or and you know, I wasn't out in the world solo. Um, then I started, the, the first book was actually, like I said to you earlier, most of my projects either come from something else I'm doing or uh, it's a springboard to something else. And actually, my first book was, I was writing a, I wanted to write about some applications that I sort of researched and learned um, for my students. So I was, I was going to do like a ring binder thing and give it to the students. Yep, yep. And so uh, that started, then it sort of grew and grew and it become more, I mean, there's lots of areas in that book that, on about the application, it talks about the traditional spine, what we call traditional spine, where you can do throws and takedowns and sweeps yeah. and stuff like that. Um, just to hopefully, so it, that grew from that booklet I was writing for the students. Yeah. Um, and then, then every book after that, it's uh, you know, it's like, like I said, the, the uh, from creation to unification, that springboarded from the second applications book because stuff in it is too long. Yeah. And the, uh, the encyclopedias of Taekwondo books, it was, I mean, I've got loads of books, you know, by Grandmaster Cho was one of my first one. Hidi Cho, your yeah. chief instructor. I've got obviously General Choi's 15 volumes and a few others. And I was just thinking, well, this this is all these books are okay, but they're they you the way they show some of the moves, you know, you got a photo of someone's back. Yeah. And it's so in the transition. So I started thinking, well, how can I make how could I write a book that suits everybody, as in all different ways, you know, the guys that do loads of hip twists but no sine wave, yeah. those that do the old version of sine wave, the newer version of sine wave, and try and do it like it's more of a teaching manual yeah. rather than just a reference guide. Oh, what was that move after that psychic? Oh, it's a knife hand strike, you yeah. know? And so 
that that sort of went from that idea. And I already had photos because, again, in my first book, I started taking the separate moves as photographs for the intro chapter at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. But but then well, I went back and we reshot all those and we done all the transition movements. And so so that also grew from that grew from there. And then there's things about the kiats because there's a big um, you know ruckus about whether kiats are actually in patterns, were there or aren't there, why they're there, you know. Yeah. And so I done a little bit of a study on that and went through some old books and some um some DVDs a, a friend of mine sent me from America actually. Um, one of the old school martial artists where he kept in his patterns and I don't know, got a guide to that. Um, yeah, and then like I said, it just goes on from there. And then the last book, uh, the whole the soul book, it was I just thought, well, there's no real there's there's good self-defense manuals about, like, like I said, Jeff Thompson's is yeah. probably one of the best, and you've got you know, obviously the Cody Flower stuff and all, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I, I put in Amazon on the search box. Uh, Taekwondo self-defense, all the various spellings. Got two books. I bought them. Yeah, they was. I mean, one was okay, but it wasn't Taekwondo, and the other was just rubbish. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, so I done I done my research. See if because if someone like I said, if someone done a book like mine already, I wouldn't waste my time doing it. It's not worth it. Yeah, understand. Um, so, uh, you know, applications like Akira McDonald stuff, and uh, you know, things like that. That's fine because you can always learn more and his history of traditional martial arts is different from mine so that that's that stuff's great but like i said there's loads of pattern books so there's no point making a a, a patterns movement book if it's going to be the same you have to improve on it yeah yeah yep, yep, yep. So, so the last one like i said the wholesome soul book i realized one okay general choice manual's got a wholesome soul section it's got some stuff in it that's that's pretty good other stuff mm, i wouldn't risk my life on it <laughs> and then i know about the um, Havoc list, you know, the habitual acts of violence. I don't know if you heard of that, which mm. is a list of the most common street assault that um, a martial arts put together. Okay. And so I, what I did, I combined my training, the stuff in the patterns books, the applications books, and uh, and uh, the habitual acts of violence list, and I brought them all together. So instead of saying, oh, this is how you defend against a reverse turning kick, which is never going to happen in the street. <laughs> yeah. You know, Oh, this is how you defend against a headbutt. And is it, I offer, in that book, I'm not sure if you've got it, I try to give four different choices. Mm -hmm. So they're not all from the patterns, but a lot of them are. But if you don't like patterns applications, you know, you don't have to use them. So mm -hmm. same with the patterns application book. If you don't like any move, don't use it. That's how I see things. Yeah. You know? yeah. So that, that was the aim of that. And I have got lockdowns, but uh, um, curtailed it a bit. But I have got an idea for a new book, possibly. Start writing. I should have started writing in the first lockdown for you guys, but <laughs> I like to I like to write, take photos, and then come back and match the photos with the writing so it makes sense rather than write all the, the whole book first and then have to take the photos for it. Because yeah. sometimes I'm doing photos and one of my black belts will say, Oh, right, well, what if you did this? And it's like, Oh, yeah, that's, that makes sense. I'll add that in too. Yeah. Then I come yeah. back and write what we discussed, you know, a little take on things. So yeah, I might might do a new one. I'm not sure yet. And the magazine that I I already did some de what they call desktop publishing back in the nineties. <laughs> so I I used to I didn't even have a PC. I used to have a Amiga. I don't know if you know what an Amiga is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I used to make music on and stuff and, yep. and play games and all that. And uh, for my club, I used to we used to do a Christmas magazine. Mm -hmm. So you know. Um, 
likes to do it on my Amigo, write out things about histories of Taekwondo and any martial art. You know, we, we stick in like the legend of the, of the 47 Ronin and stories like that. And we find anything interesting. And then we do jokes about students and, and stuff like that. And uh, students would, you know, the kids will submit pictures to it. We scan them and put it in and then we print it all out. We staple them all together. And so I, I knew how to put, roughly how to put a magazine together. Yeah. And then uh, Ian Abernethy, he brought out just a magazine. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. Uh, Stuart, oh, see, just, see, just before we, we move on to the magazine, uh, are you on 4G or are you on Wi-Fi? Just the video's cutting a wee bit now. Uh, I'm on Wi-Fi, yeah. Yeah, perfect. That's okay. Can't, I'll, I'll cut that wee bit out there, but that's just when you're talking sometimes, it's the video's breaking. I can hear you really clearly, mind you, but the, the video, I want to just make sure it's good for you as well. So, sorry, carry on. If you want the audio, edit a photograph. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I'll, 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 I'll sort that. But yeah, carry on. Sorry, so uh, totally Taekwondo magazine. Carry on. Yeah, so just a quick recap in case it didn't come across. I was already doing a, a Christmas magazine. It wasn't. It was wasn't in PDF. It was a publishing program. Then we print it out. Yeah. And then uh, Ian Abernethy brought out Jason magazine, which was a magazine about all different stylists and self-defense, basically. So how you can use the catters or whatever you do in your system. And they run for about six issues and he done it digitally and it was free. Yeah. And uh, you, you can still get it, you know, they're, they're good magazines. And I submitted some articles to that and then that stopped. And around the time, I think of the last issue or the second to last one, I started thinking, oh, we could do this for Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. And then because I had a lot of links with, through IMS with Taekwondo instructors around the world, I emailed a load and said, does anyone want to write some articles? And some said, oh yeah, I wrote this for a magazine years ago. And so submitted them, others would write new stuff. And so we just done it. And luckily it was for the first, very first issue, um, I don't know if you know this, but one of my black belts went on to become like a bit of a superstar in Hollywood. Dev Patel, yep, for yeah, sure. Dev Patel. Yep. And he was, he was, he had just faced Slumdog Millionaire, and uh, you know he was he was in, in England at the time. So I, I rang him and said, "Look, I'm putting out this new magazine. Can I interview you for for the first issue?" So we done an interview with him. Very so right. we kicked it off with him in there. So that was good. And we had all the other articles, and I thought, you know, I, I put it together, and we we done it free for like about forty issues. Mm -hmm. So and we done it. We managed to keep it going monthly. I mean, some some of the early issues were over 100 pages long every single issue yeah so we've got some good writers you know a lot of people who I mean they like writing blogs and stuff they would convert blogs just because it's digital we can we can do anything and i said to people you know you, you wrote old articles that you can you know put if you put it in a martial arts magazine years ago people read it and then the magazine you know no one else ever gets to read it but when it's digital it's there forever yep 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 and so, yeah, that's, that's just it. So we started off, it's a good way for, to advertise in books and stuff like that. So that was my benefit of it. You know, I had some books out, people read the magazine, they learn about my books, Yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's it. And we just went from there. And we, since 2009, we put out an issue every single month. Yeah. What, what so, issue are you on now? I know that we could quickly do the, the math there, but you'll know off the top of your head. 144. Amazing. Brilliant. My issue. My early, my earliest memory of uh, of submitting an article to you was the one of the, I can't remember whether I'd done an interview with Grandmaster Cho first, but I know that I'd done 
I didn't know we were chatting about this the other day. I was chatting about this very thing because, you know, we do, a, apart from the magazines, every now and then, for the, the authors that are quite prolific and have got, you know, lots of articles, uh-huh. we put special editions together. So it's just their stuff for people who, who say you love Master Cook's writings yeah, yeah, and yeah. don't, don't, don't want to buy every single back issue of the magazine. Yeah, yeah. They can buy special edition with like all these writings from over a certain period of years uh-huh. and uh i've just done some see you're the you're the only the second person notice during lockdown i've been putting some new ones together and obviously we have these uh interviews profiles and legacy versions which mm-hmm. are you know all the pioneers and all the interviews we've done and things like that yeah and uh i sent the list off because i i get a, a friend in america mike to write the intros for okay. me because I, I do the editorials in the magazines anyway and it's, you know so I, it's nice to have a fresh voice so, so I send a list off of yeah. the index and he, he emails me back and says, this, this, this thing with Grandmaster Healy Cho, you've got Grandmaster Healy Cho part one, and then you've got an interview with Grandmaster Healy Cho. Is that part two? And I was like, <laughs> no. And I, I remembered back. What happened was you had interviewed Grandmaster Healy Cho, but you accidentally sent me part of a different thing, which is like a profile piece, which yeah. was the part one. Yeah. And you know what? I realized we ran the interview. The, the month after, but we yeah. never done the part two of that profile piece. No, and I think the way you edited it got me out of jail actually because I had sent you the wrong thing and we just very quickly made it into uh, a part one and part two or, or a follow on bit. And you sort of worked your yeah. magic and that that got me out of jail because, as always, I was at the the last minute to get the stuff submitted and then ended up sending the wrong thing and we kind of ran with it, which was which was fine, but yeah. Yeah. When are you going to interview Master Ameris for us? Well, I think we did one. I'm, it could be arranged anytime, to be, to be honest, uh, especially during lockdown where things are a wee bit quiet. So, yeah, maybe that's the next Maybe that's the next project that I'll... Okay, actually, since you're here and you've asked, I'll go on to that and we'll do that for you. Uh, no problem. Oh, okay. And Master Darcy then. Yeah, everybody. And Master Darcy. Okay, yeah, I, I, I promise... I promise. Uh, right. One of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was uh, was black belts and black belt gradings. And I've watched a lot of footage of your black belt gradings. Uh, and my God, do they work for their black belt grading? Uh, I think that's the black belt test, the grading, is just one section of being a black belt. But I wanted your opinion, if you could share it with us on how important a strong black belt test is and what makes a good black belt in your opinion because there's so many of them now like so many and i mean you and i were coming up and i've spoken about this in the podcast before if someone had a black belt they were they were it and now there's there's so many so how important is the grading the test and what makes a good black belt right the test from, from a student's perspective, it's very, very important. It's something you remember forever, yeah? yeah? So if it's too easy, then it's, you know, it's not worth earning. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, they've got to work hard because black belt, no matter, I know a lot of instructors say, oh, black belts, oh, it's just the beginning. And, you know, but to uh, if you say, like you was just saying, if you said to like someone who doesn't do martial arts, oh, what's the toughest grade in martial art or whatever. They say black belt, not fourth down, not fifth down. They just say black belt. Yeah. To the general public, whether rightly or wrongly, a black belt is 
invincible. Yeah. 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 Near because of martial art films and and everything like that. So so like I said earlier, someone has got to be half decent to defend themselves. Should it happen, in my opinion. Yeah. So I work I work on the perspective that by time someone gets from white to black belt, they should be pretty handy. They should one be reasonably good at the system at know the patterns and be able to break the boards but they should be pretty handy and able to defend themselves whether that's a 17 year old or a 52 year old you yeah. know so you know the, the gradings are quite hard um because you know they gotta earn it they gotta earn it yeah and uh obviously we incorporate what we was talking about earlier a lot of the things that i feel should be part of taekwondo anyway mm-hmm. we're going to a grading for me and just doing you know, I've, I've seen not many people put their videos online. I've done it to show that we're doing legitimate gradings and they're tough and stuff like that. And like I said, we were solo. I mean, the first one we filmed on a VHS camcorder and another student put it on digital and then I edited it down. Um, that grading had six people. It lasted eight hours, I think. Okay. And we had a panel, you know. But I've seen, I've seen other gradings where they've done one pattern, one round of competition spine, and it was an adult versus a child. And uh, broke a board with a couple of techniques and like one thin board. And it's like, well, that's, you know, I've got yellow belts that can do that. Yeah. You know, that, that's not what a black belt, the, the black belt I would want to produce is to me, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, they're, they're quite long, they're quite tough, but we, you know, they, through the years of training, they prepared for them. You know, if you, someone come from, say, a club that didn't do that sort of training, it would be, you know, they wouldn't pass. Yeah, but you know these guys and girls that take the gradings at my club—they've been training through the years to prepare themselves for that day. You know, the two hardest gradings in Taekwondo are your knife cup grading because it's your first one, and your black belt grading. Yeah, you know, sure. after that, you know, after that, you know what's out of black belt grading after that. You know, so yeah, yeah we we expect a lot. Um, you know, some of the black belts. We get visited quite a lot, and a lot of them great, but some of the black belts that parents bring. I mean, I, I had a parent ring me once, and uh, she said, oh, my, can my six-year-old, he's been training at another club. Can I bring him down to your club? And I said, yeah, okay. Um, so he's been training. What grade is he? She went black belt. I was like, six-year-old black belt. So I bit my tongue a bit. And this was back in, say, 2003 or something, 2004. Yep. And I was like, what the hell can a six-year-old black belt be? And I was generally out of curiosity interested to see what this kid was like yeah and she brought him to the club and he was terrible we done the fitness portion the first after the warm-up you know we, we used to spend about an hour on fitness and stretching yeah he went out he went he went he went crying to his mum in 20 minutes yeah you know and to, as an instructor that's the, the mum should mum doesn't know anything better no. but the instructor that gives that kid that belt should be ashamed of himself yeah, that, yeah, that was going to be my very next point. Whose fault is that? That's not the kid's yeah. fault. Do you know what I mean? It's no, but what what it does? That kid probably will never do martial arts again. Yeah. So we've lost the student for martial arts because some guy got a paycheck early. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and it's, it's the, the the quality of I mean, Taekwondo. Look, it's not got a great reputation within other martial arts. Mm-hmm. Because of certain aspects and obviously the McDojos and things like that. I mean, I've asked them as well. Yeah. So, so you know, 
we we had a, one of the, this is quite interesting actually we had a because we do some grappling work what we call choke sparring you know mm-hmm. it's not it's not rolling like judo uh, it's it's not um groundwork like say brazilian jiu-jitsu or mma it's the idea is we teach this very early on to adults or older teenagers that yeah. if you do go to the floor you're not great at fighting at the floor try and get a choke on so we teach them the chokes and yeah. we teach them how to get them on how to, how to stop and get them put on and so we've done an IMS seminar i think back in 2005 and one of my students who i think was a red belt at the time we had we got all the instructors together and some of them who don't spar wanted to join in we had a very friendly like um sparring competition points fighting competition yeah that you know they tried with some gloves they had to go it was all friendly all nice and then the jiu-jitsu instructors wanted to do a groundwork competition yeah so you had at, at that one we had mma fighters students just with the students not the instructors yeah, yeah. so we had mma fighters brazilian jiu-jitsu students and obviously other people wing chung and um keto and whatever and some of them got involved and the one that won it was one of my students there you go <laughs> a taekwondo guy on a groundwork competition yeah you know it was friendly, you know, but he was, he was good at it. Yeah. You know, yeah. So he, it, he got good at it, not because he'd done judo or jiu-jitsu. He got good at it through taekwondo. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we got a little bit of respect back for taekwondo, I believe, from them martial artists that were there because they didn't expect that. Yeah. No. I think, we won, the, I think that, we won the sparring competition as well. <laughs> do you think... That, that's something that... Uh, now, let me, why do you think, I was just trying to think the best way to put in this question, why, I've seen some excellent, tough, tough practitioners of Taekwondo, uh, as you obviously have through the years, but it's a martial art that does come in for some, some grief sometimes, and it's a martial art that maybe doesn't get the respect that obviously you and I truly believe that it, it deserves. Uh, why is that? What, why has it changed from these, this group of tough military men and even previous to that, that designed this to, to having a reputation that it can be sometimes a wee bit wishy-washy? And obviously you and I would completely disagree with that and many, many of the people that we know very well disagree with that, but where did that even come from? Well, I think it's partly the organisation's fault for teaching a slimmer version of what I would say which should be the real syllabus. Yeah. So, you know, it's very, you know, when, when you've got a, a guy and all he ever does is competition spar, performs patterns with no real foundation or no basis towards them, Yeah. you know, and then, then they, they, you see them videos on YouTube where it's Taekwondo versus Thai boxer and the Thai boxer mullers him because the rules are Thai boxing rules. Yeah. You know, if it was a points competition with a great points fighter like Tony Sorrell or something, yeah, you yeah. know, it'll be, it'll be the other way around. And there are videos the other way around. But I think, and then you, you read about, obviously, started abroad. I won't say which country, but most sort of know what they call the McDojos. McDojangs mm-hmm. in our term, where you know basically daycare centres and after-school clubs and little kiddies and stuff like that. Um, and then I, I think Taekwondo's growth has been its has created this uh, problem because yeah. as Taekwondo grew, 
once something gets to a certain stage, a lot of instructors see it as a business. So, yeah, they're still martial artists, but it's the, the business of martial arts. And the problem with business, it's all about supplying what the consumer wants yeah. for the money. Yeah. And if the, if the consumer wants their 11-year-old black belt in two years, suddenly they're knocking them out like that. Yeah. You know? And so as it's growing and they, they take it in, there's certain things. I remember, like I said, one of my friends in America used to send me sometimes these magazines called Martial Arts Success. This was before the EFC thing coming to the UK. Yeah. And I used to look through it and it was like, it's a, do a pizza party, birthday party and things. And I'm like, what? Yeah. But one, I couldn't be bothered with it for a start. Yeah. And two, what? And they're saying, oh yeah, so, so it's little Johnny, who's your seven-year-old student's birthday. You do a birthday party you teach him a few moves and you enroll all his friends. And I'm like, well, I don't, I, one of the things about my club is when I started, my hall costs were very, very low because mm-hmm. I started on a state where no one wanted to teach anything because yeah. it was quite a rough estate. So I got it from the housing association. I was charging people 10 pound a month yeah. for three lessons a week back in the 2000s, three two hour lessons a week. Yeah. And, uh, but we didn't advertise. The, the most advertising I ever did was stick some posters on the flats. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah. So, so there's like 20 flats around there. And the very next day, we found them all ripped down by another club. Yeah, that's what it is. Like <laughs> starting around there. So we hardly done any advertising. Uh, luckily, we set up a website quite early on when the internet was, you know, you could do it yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and people found us. And so one of the things I liked about our students in them early years is that people would take the time to, to, to do their research and they're the students we got coming to the club. Yeah. We didn't go around and say, oh, kids, we, we take your club, we give you a free dobok. We, you know, we, you can have the first month free and all, all that. We've never given, people ask me about that. And I say, no, we, you know, these are our training fees. You know, when, come and try it out for a couple of classes, take it from there. Yeah. I, I, this is, years ago, I really wanted all Taekwondo to be like that like how I wanted it uh-huh. my attitude has changed a bit because now I've got books out and I can show people oh this is a great way to train you know yeah. you, you can do patterns like this and do your normal patterns I I don't feel people necessarily I have to force my opinions on people anymore I mean yeah. I used to be quite active in taekwondo forms there's a lot of arguing about patterns and this that and the other so I used to get diving involved in that Yep. You know, they know my patterns are more uh, general job on them this way. This is what he taught for this block. And, you know, you just go back and forth, like a bit on the Facebook groups. Not so much now. But personally, I, I, I would love people to take on board some of the stuff that we do at my club. Watching the videos or yep. what I write about in the books, there's the you know, extra bits and stuff like that. But really, I'm quite happy to people do whatever they want to do, yeah. you know. Personally, as an instructor, I see it as my duty to my students to make sure they're prepared for the real world. Mm-hmm. You know, not just become good black belts within the association who can win a gold medal and stuff like that. As I feel as a martial artist, that is the duty of, of myself as an instructor. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I would say is that the average person who doesn't know anything about martial arts or taekwondo that wants their son to do it, they think everything is equal across the board. Yeah. And they don't research or anything like that. And it would be nice if, you know, 
lot more students would, uh, you know, they, they, they just wouldn't, you, would, a lot more students wouldn't just learn the bare bones that they need to pass a grading. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're developing them for life beyond that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's, that's what I feel as myself as an instructor. But if people are happy with their club and stuff like that, they don't do any applications and they only do competition sparring or they just love competition sparring but don't want to do any fighting type sparring. Mm-hmm. That's fine with me too. You know, I'm happy. I'm like to be I, the old days of, uh, I don't know if you remember it, ITF online, a lot of old schoolers will remember that notorious unmoderated forum of Taekwondo people around the world. Yeah. You know, them days are over, over for me. I yeah. see a thread, I don't like something. I, I rarely post on it anymore. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not interested. That it's. I'm glad you actually came back with that sort of final thought on that subject because that couldn't have maybe couldn't have set us up any better for the last thing I want to talk to you about today. Uh, is this idea of one Taekwondo now? When I was a lot younger, uh, in fact, not that much younger, but the, always kind of thought to myself, I, I wonder if. There could be a day where it was... I mean, I compare it to something like judo. Now, if you go into most judo clubs in anywhere in Britain or the world, uh, it's really one sort of encompassing federation that goes all the way through to their Olympic. And again, judo is much more, I would think, much more sport-orientated because that's the path that they're taking. Now, getting to the point, I always thought that maybe we, as... Taekwondo groups one day would have no ITF or WTF or GTF or AMA or whatever. And then as I matured a wee bit, that idea kind of left my head and I actually started concentrating more on, well, actually, if I brought myself and some of my students to your school and it was two completely different federations or organisations or styles and we just got on the floor and we we sparred together and we've done some patterns. That to me is a better idea of unifying Taekwondo and uh, and sharing this art that we have. So can we have a wee discussion please on, I don't even want to get, I don't think we should get into why people don't get on, but more about having a wee discussion on what we've got in common and the possible benefits that you do a sidekick this way and I do it this way, or you block this way and I block that way, underneath this umbrella of Taekwondo in general? I, I would say to that, that I think, for me, I mean, maybe I'm not seeing it because I'm not in association. We are more together now in Taekwondo, one Taekwondo, than we ever were. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. There, you know, I, I remember my early days in the BETF. The BETF was formed because the chief instructor fell out with Grandmaster Ree over something. Same with the THEB. So they're formed. So everyone's got these opinions of, of, of the other people. And, uh, and so, I mean, I remember once our chief instructor, he, he set up over uh, Tanoi at one of our competitions. Grandmaster Ree is holding a tournament. If you go, you will be expelled from the organisation. And it was like, I mean, at that time, I was going outside competitions and, you know, seminars with other people. And it was like, oh, to, to, to publicly say that. And the problem is, it's like one thing I see about, one thing I see with bad students, right, is 
when you get a student who's a bit of a twat at competition, you can you can bet their instructor's the same. Yep. yep. These attitudes, they pass down. And if winning at all costs was your instructor's attitude, you know, like sweep the leg, Johnny, no matter what. <laughs> you know, that, yep. that, a lot of students will pick that up. Yeah. But since the since so obviously I don't know, you read it in the magazine. I wrote, uh, we were doing these history sections called the Decades of Taekwondo. So yeah, it's like, yeah, Taekwondo was yeah. like the 60s in, in uh, Missouri and then the 70s in New York. Yeah. And I took on the 90s. Mm-hmm. A couple of people done the 90s, but I done one and I, I subtitled it The Reign of the Orcs, which was, it was heavily dominated by all the bigger Taekwondo associations. Yeah. You know, AGB, BTF, UKTA, and they all didn't like each other. I also hate each other. And it was almost indoctrinated in you not to mix with them. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, but then I went solo, set up IMS and I realized, well, hold on. This attitude is not the attitude of a lot of people, whether they're in an organization or not. Yeah. They're dictated to because the heads of these groups or the committees or whatever have put these rules in place to try and keep their students and stop them leaving or stop them seeing other stuff that might make them leave. You know, it was it was sort of like the business side of Taekwondo back then. Yeah, because obviously the more students that leave, if an instructor leaves all the students, that's grading income gone, seminar income gone, course income gone, competition income gone. You know, so they wanted to keep the students. And uh, part of the reason the black belt syllabus is in a lot of groups back then wasn't as big or as diverse as I would like them, but that's another another subject. But since splitting, and especially a few years since the ITF split, and more ITFs have, have grown up, and you know. There's a, a people are much more open, and it's not just individual like um, independent instructors like me that are grouping together because we need to keep together. Yeah. You know, providing there's no comeback from the group, like I was saying about the, the Ricky Hart competition. Mm-hmm. You know that they're not going to get expelled. People are much more open with other people. You know, it's like I chat to guys in Norway and WTF guys, and you know. And they come and train at my club. I have people from Australia come and train at my club. Very old school Taekwondo. I mean, we were sparring. He'd done a spinning elbow in my head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it was like, I thought we were doing competition type sparring, like, like free sparring. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think now people are, are more open. I think the one Taekwondo thing is, is now there's less control. And also that obviously as these, groups compete against each other they need you know suddenly there was a time where you couldn't go to another group's competition unless you were a member of their, their organization mm-hmm. and suddenly it's like oh everyone can come yeah. because then you realize well that's because they they're not getting as many people coming and they they need more revenue stream yeah the yeah. only problem with stuff like that is they're open-minded to allow other people to come you know whatever but they're not open enough to take into account their differences. So for example, if you went to a competition run by say one of the ITFs, I won't name any of them personally, and they let you in, you couldn't get anywhere in patterns if you've done your patterns as you do them in the GTF, you know? Oh, sorry, in AMA. Yeah, I understand. So now I'm I'm very selective with the competitions. You know, I only go to ones that will allow everyone in my opinion, to compete on an equal footing. I mean, we we done a competition back in 2004, and it was just when they was pushing the sine wave quite heavy, mm-hmm. and it was really overemphasizing it. Yeah. And so I took about, I think, 
eight students there, and they they know good patterns. Mm-hmm. One of them got a bronze yeah. somehow, but one of my guys, a green belt, he done a pattern, and it was, in my opinion, much better than the person that was having two up at once. Yeah. He finished it, and it was only halfway through because there was yeah. the sine wave thing was so slow, and none of them won any other medals in patterns because yeah. they didn't do it that way. And this is the attitude. And then they all went on and won gold and silvers and sparring and break and everything. But I never went back there because we're paying the same money to enter, but we can't compete because we don't want we don't do it your way. Yeah. And that 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 um that bugged me. And that's how competitions were for a while. So I get it if it's a world championship, you know, that's that's fine. I tip world championships and they want it to see it that way. But I, I think now when it comes to training, the most important part of Taekwondo for me has always been training. Not yeah. medals, not, you know, uh, how many black belts you got or even how good they are. It's just, just training. And if, providing you're prepared to train with other people who are, the differences are minimal, not, or not even minimal. It's the diversity of different organisations. They've done us a favour in the end. Yeah. Because if people hadn't split, we would never have these different types of, we would not have the errors that we have, like the 1970s style hip twist type, almost karate style, and then the first sine wave. I mean, a lot of people that do the sine wave now don't even know there was a first type or a second type that yeah. it was changed. You know, they've got no clue. And I'm talking about people that have been around quite a while. But it's, I think it's, it's especially with the applications guys, like you've got Roy, Roy Rolstad in, in Norway. Mm-hmm. He's got the, the Radix project. He's doing basically what I'm doing and uh, Kieran's doing and Colin Wee's doing, you know, but they're all slightly different. But yep. we, the thing that binds us is one, we do Taekwondo and two, we're interested in expanding it further than it, it was, mm-hmm. you know, and yep. it's, it's that rather than someone in their ear saying, you can't train with them guys because they're in this group, you know, and a lot of them are in groups. I know some are solo, some are in groups and it's that, that passion. I think the passion for Taekwondo that, is bringing people together now and the relaxing of the organizational rules allows it to happen even more i think back in the 90s people would have been happy to train with other people mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know, weren't allowed yeah I, I was on a thread recently with a, a very famous british grandmaster and who who will remain nameless uh, i've actually spoken about this i spoke about this uh, with stephen gale on on the podcast uh, and Pretty much, he 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 was very publicly saying, uh, if if you don't do taekwondo exactly as the 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 encyclopedia has been laid down, then you don't do taekwondo. Uh, and I know exactly what, I know exactly who you're talking about because I've read that loads of times. So that's the that's the that's the majority of practitioners then in the world, because <laughs> if you include WTF practitioners and GTF practitioners and AMA practitioners and independent, and I know you do follow to a degree or mostly. So what does that mean? How, 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 how does that bring us together when you're talking about one of the most senior grandmasters in all of the UK saying something like that? Well, the problem is it's there of that generation I was just talking about. That this is the right one you just mentioned. This is our way. Like if that group, if he was running a group, and maybe he does, it, their, their minds are just not open. They're blinkered. Yeah. Right? People say, oh, you should do, if you're not doing Taekwondo now with a new sine wave, again, 
you want doing Taekwondo. Uh, yeah. Taekwondo has been around since 1955. If someone left that group in 1960 and carried on doing it how they done it in the 1960s, they're going to look vastly different yeah. to someone who's just got a black belt this year or last year, say, maybe the year before with COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, but they're still Taekwondo and they're still doing the general joy Taekwondo. Yeah. It's just that they've stopped at a certain point. It's like someone who's driving, who, like, who loves driving classic cars. Just because mm-hmm. he drives a old 1960s Mark II Escort or something, he's still driving, like, it's still a car. Yeah. You know, just, you know, don't always have to have the latest version of everything. And, and all, we, we could go back and forth with us all day. One point that uh, always sticks in my head was uh, I, I went to school with a girl who was a second degree black belt in WTF, as it was at the time. And actually, uh, she was a really successful fighter in sort of the, the British tournament scene for her age anyway. And uh, she didn't know who General Choi was. Yeah. She, had no, she had no idea. Now, I'm not surprised. It's only well, recently South Korea has acknowledged him. Well, that's that, that. And again, this this might be for podcast number two, if if you'll oblige me and come back on again. <laughs> but that, and I was only a young, I was a teenager at high school at the time, obviously, and was nowhere near as mature in thought or anything. But just couldn't get my head around this person was a second degree black belt in Taekwondo, and had never once by an instructor or an association or had any conversation whatsoever about General Choi. And it was just completely normal. Have you ever read a WTF book? Not really, to be honest. The history section is very, very different. Taekwondo is 2,000 years old. There's a K painting on a wall and that's where it started from. And it's never changed because they, they, obviously General Choi fell out with South Korea. Yeah. They, they labelled him traitor and everything like that. So they're not going to... This is their national sport. They, they, it's a pol- political thing. Yeah. You know, they're not going to acknowledge him as... You know, you can... You can every, everyone can, uh, you know, think for themselves or research themselves and, and decide for themselves how much, you know, whether he's the sole founder or he sowed the first seeds or, you know, mm-hmm. how much they want to give him credit for. Yeah. But because of the political situation in South Korea, the WTF, who is obviously run by the government to a point, you know, when yeah. they brought the together. Yeah. You know, you, you can't go around. Back that time, it might have been um, a democratic government, but it's still, it was still a dictatorship. Yeah. It was just a westernised dictatorship, sort of. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. People, people don't realise that. And you, so you can't be teaching in a national sport and saying, well, actually, we can't go with a, the, the history you've been given. This guy called Jim Choi, who was a traitor to our country, started it all, yeah. you know? And so he, and then it's just carried on down the line. Like I said, it's only recently he's been um, acknowledged in... When I went to Korea in 2015, we spoke to WTF guy, because we, we were around in a go box all the time, as I, I know Roy was telling you. You're, yeah, you're yeah, in yeah. them all the time. Walk around the streets. It's the only country in the world I walk around the street in a dough box. Imagine yeah. doing that in America or somewhere, or even over here. Yeah. Um, and people will come up to you and start chatting to you and go, oh, Taekwondo. Yeah. And they're like old people. And uh, we met some guys in a, a, one of the restaurants we was in. And we went and had a chat with them. They were WTF guys. And they were fascinated that we knew the names of their historical physics, Do San, Won Yo. And they're like, how do these guys know that? 
Yeah. And then we was talking about it, but they had never heard of general choice either. Yeah. Even so, they they're just not taught it. And if you're not if you're not told something, you don't know it. Yeah, of course, of course. I just think it's. I obviously find this stuff fascinating, uh, as I know you obviously do, having written so much about it. But uh, I think that there's a lot of people that maybe come to the art and, and would have tuned out by now, because they're there for all these reasons that are non-political. And yeah. I, I, I don't want, not just thinking about my own students, just thinking about Taekwondo practitioners throughout the world. And I know that sounds quite grand, but to have access to all of these wonderful things that we can give them access to without having to be bogged down. And this is our history, but you can't believe the next guy and he's telling lies about the next guy. And punch is a punch, a kick's a kick, a stretch is a stretch. And there's so many I, benefits without us getting bogged down in that. I, I actually love the differences in Taekwondo. Yeah, absolutely. I have no... Not never have I ever agreed with what that grandmaster said ever. Yeah, there's no version of Taekwondo apart from the really crappy versions where they don't really care about the art, all they care about is, is getting students to black belt really quickly. Yeah, you know, I like them. I, I love, I love watching like the hip twist patterns from other groups. I'm not going to mention groups in particular, yeah. you know, I, I like that. In fact, I even made a video, I was so annoyed once about. How people got competitions like the thing I was talking about. My students at a pattern, uh, competition where they, if they didn't perform patterns this way, yeah. and I, I was speaking to a referee at one of the other competitions. He goes, "Well, I can't really evaluate it properly because I, I've never, I don't know how to do them patterns like that. I've never seen them." Yeah. I said, "Well, go on YouTube and have a look." <laughs> you know, yeah. You're going to a competition that's open to all types of Taekwondo stylists of, of the Chang Hong side, and it's not WTF. But you get you're getting a, a lot of judges, and I presume a lot of others like him mm-hmm. that can't judge someone unless they do the pattern virtually the way they've learned it. But yeah. we've got the internet now, so I made this um, this video called the Gay Beck College Collage, and all I did was take pattern Gay Beck, found as many videos as I could, and chopped it up to show, and it just Gay Beck from the beginning to end with all different people doing it all different ways, Very and it just. Just to show people that this is this is this is how Taekwondo really looks. Yeah. And to only look at it one way is you, to do that. You forget you basically ignoring Taekwondo history because General Choi had his Taekwondo this way, and if everybody carried on and does it the way just before he passed away, yeah, we would that that would be lost to history. Yeah. You know, apart from the old eight millimeter silly films we see. You know, I like the fact that you can train with someone who can still do it like that. Yeah. You know, they bring yeah. different stuff. It makes it interesting. If Taekwondo is a lifelong journey, you want it varied. Mm-hmm. It's going to get really boring real quickly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know? uh, okay. So, a couple of things just to, before we, we finish up. There's possibility that there's a new book in the offing sometime soon. You can get, uh, once you get started, yeah. that is. It won't be soon. Usually, I, well, usually when I think of a book, I don't mention it. But lockdown, you know, we're doing an interview. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got a couple of ideas. To be fair, whether yeah. I'll do, I'll do some research and see. I know um, there's probably been books out. I think, well, there is books out on on the same subject, but mine will be again if I can bring something different to the table. Yeah. Then then, then I will. Um, but books take at least two two years to write, and then you've got to do all the photos and stuff. So. 
you know, it's, it's not coming out anytime soon, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and hopefully uh, trips to Korea again in the future, is that something you would do? Yeah, definitely. We sure. were we were going to go uh, next year, actually, I think it was. We, we set up a, we started doing inroads into it, but then COVID hit, and yeah. so we, we, we just basically delayed it. Uh, some other stuff has happened as well, uh, not to do with us, but um, so, but yeah, definitely once COVID is done, the pandemic is over, hopefully. Um, yeah, we, we're, we're going to put that together for anyone. Again, like Roy told you in his interview, mm-hmm. there's all different types of Taekwondo people on these trips. Yeah. And we, we, we don't bicker, we chat, we, you know, you, you, everyone's got the, 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 the thing that brings them together is the Taekwondo. And they're interested in the, the career and the history and, you know, some more than others, you know. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's, you know, it's, it's anyone. Um, I know anyone who's watched Roy's video, I know he said quite a lot about Toll Tour. Mm-hmm. I would tell anyone, the one thing that sold the Toll Tour to me was Grandmaster Battalion. Yeah. And I, I, I say this a lot because I can say, yeah, it's great. We like, went to here, we went to there. I actually fought over there. And, yeah. Um, but this is what sold me. I was chatting with Grandmaster Battalion, who went on, I think, one of the, the, the very first one, actually. And he said to me, and this is no word of a lie, and he's travelled all over the world for Taekwondo. Yeah. Everyone he knows everybody. He's been North Korea, South Korea, you know, Czechoslovakia, and it was probably still there and oh, wherever. Yeah. And he said the greatest, best thing he's ever done in Taekwondo was go on a total. Wow. There you go. And when someone like that sells it with one line, yeah. you think oh, all the things you've seen, all the courses you've been, everything, you say this is the best thing that sold it for me. And luckily, uh, Master Cook was at a visit to England at the time. So, short while after that, I went and chatted to him. And then, a couple of years later, we ended up 2015. We ended up in Korea. And then we went back uh, 2018. So, just three years later. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, definitely. I'll keep going back there. I love it. It's great. Okay. One, one last thing. Just tell everybody just uh, your website, how they can. I know your books are definitely on Amazon. People can access your books on Amazon. And if people want to subscribe to uh, Totally Taekwondo, how would they do that? Just go to www.totallytkd.com. Perfect. Hit the subscribe button. There you go. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, listen, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, yeah, as I said, we'll probably have to have another podcast because there's so many subjects that just lead on to the next and lead on to the next. But yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe that's well, I'm like most Taekwondo people and the people I've had. One of the things with Imus that it's made many great friends. And so we travel now and you can go and we, we go and stay at each other's houses. So like uh, Brendan Dugan come over from New Zealand a little while ago and he needed somewhere in London to put his head up for a night. So we come in. Yeah. And like we were saying in a podcast, oh, we, everything goes off. We, we sat up for hours and hours. We could talk all night. Yeah. Like one of those people. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I have on many occasions. Indeed. Indeed. Right? So, Right, okay, yeah. sir, I'll let you go there and get on with your day. Uh, yeah, listen, thank you so much for coming on and, and being one of our guests. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care of yourself. Thank you. Okay. Speak soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.